Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, back to some semblance of sanity here uh, on day two. The, the deal's starting to slow to a bit of a trickle as we wait on Kawhi Leonard and the Lakers, Clippers, and Mavericks even though obviously Kawhi is not waiting on the Mavericks, are all really, it seems like, stuck now waiting for that deal to happen. And obviously, if the Lakers don't get him, then they'll be in the race for role players. Dallas, I'm sure if the Lakers do get him, they have role players, maybe Danny Green lined up uh, that they would like to bring in. The Clippers uh, are going to have to pivot as well. They'll still have about $30 million or, or so in cap space should, should they choose to use it. But let's start with today's events, which to me, begins with the finalization of the Jimmy Butler sign-and-trade. Yeah, so one of the big pieces of drama on June 30th was the falling apart of the original Jimmy Butler sign-and-trade. So what we basically knew was that Butler was going to go to the Miami Heat for a four-year max deal, and that the Philadelphia 76ers were going to get Josh Richardson, who makes significantly less, so then all those mechanics work. But then there were the problems of salary matching for the trade, and then the hard cap, because if you acquire a player by sign-and-trade, you are hard capped at the apron. So what needed to happen was the Heat through, it looked like at least a third party, was going to have to open up, you know, to, to satisfy those two elements. And it happened in two components. The first one was early in the morning on Monday, and that was a what seemed at that time to be a, a separate trade, which was moving Hassan Whiteside to the Portland Trailblazers, a team that had previously been interested in Whiteside back when he was a free agent in 2016. And that was Whiteside for Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless. But that trade, you know, those two pieces didn't fit together to make a, a, a whole Jimmy Butler deal that was valid. So then what ended up happening is Mo Harkless went to a fourth team, the Los An- the LA Clippers, not the Los Angeles Clippers, and with a protected first round pick. And then that allowed all the elements to be satisfied. Yeah. And we had speculated that it would be Goran Dragic that the Heat had to move. Uh, Whiteside was the other salary who could get it to there on his own but with Whiteside it seemed at least to us uh, was pretty undesirable by the way isn't it amazing how many of the sour 16s have been traded for each other going back to uh the ultimate which was the Mozgov Biombo deal last summer uh but now you have Myers Leonard and Mohawk so I actually wouldn't consider a sour 16 I thought he actually gave them good production for that salary uh Neil O'Shea and I appear to disagree on that uh, uh for Whiteside and you know, we also previously saw Kent Bazemore traded for Evan Turner uh, as well with these guys uh, in the last year of their deals now. So the problem that the Heat were facing was they had to find a way to get off of enough salary to make up 
up the difference between Jimmy Butler's incoming salary of 32 million and Josh Richardson outgoing about 10 million. So they really needed to add about 16 million as a balance of outgoing salary. The initial trade of Whiteside for Myers Leonard and Harkless knocked them down by about four or five million. But what really got them there was then moving Harkless to the Clippers, and that made them have enough salary, a little bit over $26 million outgoing, so that they could bring in Jimmy Butler and make the trade legal. And they had to pay a pretty penny to the Clippers, another great piece of business by a team that was just kind of sitting around and facilitating a, a sign-and-trade. This happens in the league where the team that, for, the, for what they threw in, did the quote-unquote quote best is somebody who was not in the initial negotiations it was the facilitator i mean that i think that was also true with memphis in the kevin durant d'angelo russell situation where they got a first round pick for taking on andre guadala and facilitators are very important especially when teams feel the urgency to move quickly which the miami heap most certainly did and so i mean i don't harkless maybe he's a slight negative value contract but there aren't many teams with the flexibility and because remember miami need basically needed somebody to take his money on in whole cloth they couldn't do one of those you know like get somebody who can take him but then has to spin back another piece or something like that then the money still wouldn't have worked and would have had to get more complicated so the clippers get a a good player who fits in well there who doesn't prevent them from clearing max space should that become appropriate and it's uh, and, and they get a first round pick out of it and now paralleling the pelicans with the lakers the clippers are now pretty thoroughly in the heat doing poorly in the future business because now they have two future first round picks from the miami heat it sounds like it's going to be 2021 and then 2024 depending on what year the what the protection you know what what year it conveys and that's you know considering we we talked about our criticisms about the the butler fit potentially with miami and you know like how this group could age and their limited flexibility having a pick that's a little further out even though it is it sounds like it is lottery protected at least at the very beginning is still i mean to for for what was a, a very small thing for the clippers to sacrifice is fantastic yeah and you might say with the addition of butler now that 2021 pick doesn't look as sexy of an asset for the clippers but one injury uh and that's part of why jimmy butler i'm sure there is some pause about him one injury and you know the heat are, are right in the thick of the lottery there uh i think this is really interesting looking at the asset play again i mean harkless you know a million dollar even if harkless were totally dead salary uh one first round pick to get off of 11 million that is a much more expensive rate and then you forget the fact that harkless uh, can even play uh and then of course the Guadal, another guy who can play 17 million you know that's more towards the going rate of what it's been uh to use a first round pick but that you know this one's in the future of the Iguodala one but it's a uh, very limited protection i mean we're talking about you know lottery protected first round picks in a lot of these deals uh, a number of things to, to unpack though just in the overall market dynamics there one is that usually you would say oh I'd rather have this guy on a one-year contract to Mo Harkos or Andre Guadala than having to pay another guy a four-year deal. Maybe this year that isn't true. Again, I think teams are really spooked by 2020 free agency, the amount of money that's going to be out there, despite everyone trying to spend it all as, as quickly as they can. And we'll get to some of these teams that just, you know, have had space and have tried to bring in players on what they thought were quality contracts despite not really even having a role for those guys. But maybe this year, because 2020 is shaping up this way with few free agents and lots of money out there, 
the thought is well we'd rather actually have a guy on a three or four year deal let's take our chance to get a guy under what we think is a quality contract because if you compare that to having to get a long-term contributor next summer the price will be even more exorbitant so maybe that's a thought on why these guys uh, on one-year deals where you're basically transferring cap room from this year to next year, that that's not a transaction that teams would necessarily wanted to be involved in. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Then the other thing that comes to mind here too is the Brooklyn Nets stay winning here. Not only are they getting a protected first-round pick from the Warriors as the price for the D'Angelo sign-in trade, but they also did their move early, way back on June 4th, when you know it seemed they knew that KD and Kyrie were coming. I mean, number one, that opened the obvious path to just getting those guys without having to do more transactions. But by striking early and striking with the one team, Atlanta, that it seemed like was guaranteed to be in super fun mode, they ended up not having to pay this exorbitant price to get off of Alan Crabb. It seemed like it was a fair amount to give up at the time, but compared to what the Warriors and the Heat had to do in the heat of the moment with commitments already made to D'Angelo Russell and Jimmy Butler that they basically, with a gun to their head, had to get rid of the money, Nets did a lot better there too, so that their foresight really paid off. And and this also makes, makes you think about some of the other moves that happened throughout the season. So Cleveland picked up a first from Milwaukee to take on John Henson and Matt Matthew Delvadova. Remember, this is during last season. And yeah. and give up George Hill in that deal. That doesn't look as good now, though opportunity costs and some of the stuff's a little bit different for the Cavs. And then also the Tony Snell trade. You know, I, I would say that Snell, you know, he has, first of all, he's owed more money than either of the two players we discussed, but also, you know, maybe, and maybe the Pistons prefer his structure and everything else like that. But it, it is interesting how you think about all these. But so that's one thing is to talk, compare it to the other salary dumps. The other way of discussing this that I think we should definitely spend, spend a least some time talking about is comparing that to some of the other ways that teams that had more money than they knew what to do with chose to use that money. For example, the New York Knicks, even though the Knicks signings look better now with the subsequent reporting that almost all of their basically all of their deals have second year team options so instead of being two-year contracts almost all of them are one yeah that was interesting here don't worry we'll get back to portland and the clippers and and miami here in a second philly we don't need to talk about because they just did the deal that was uh that we talked about yesterday but for the knicks yeah it is interesting finding out that there's team options again rather than non-guarantees on those contracts uh, to take you through who all those people are again if you forgot who the hell is on the knicks uh, as i'm sure uh, many people have well you can start off by guessing that the player is a power forward that would that would be a start although taj gibson is really going to be their backup center uh, likely so julius randall's the one guy who actually has guaranteed money into 2020 but he has the team option uh going through the 21 22 season taj gibson team option for 10 million next year bobby portis team option for about 15 million next year reggie bullock about 10.5 million and then the knicks also added to contracts with the exact same structure wayne ellington two minus one for 16 million so eight million guaranteed eight million next year Alfred Payton, same thing, $8 million this year, $8 million team option next year. Payton, long the apple of Scott Perry's eye going back to Orlando when you'll recall that Sam Hinkie in that 2014 draft took Payton and then actually forced Orlando to give up a, a later first-round pick to move up uh, two slots and grab him. 
in the Dario Sharich transaction. So, you know, I don't think this is that bad. And one thing I like about this is that you have the ability to just pick and choose the guys that you think are working out and the guys that aren't. They don't know, you know, Alfred Payton. And, you know, I mean, I think they they overpaid for him. Uh, I think there are better backup point guard options out there, but he's a guy who has some talent. He had an injury hit year last year, hasn't been in a great situation. Not that this will be one, but maybe he hits and you get to keep him again for next year and then have him as a long-term part of the team or you just cut bait next year and do it all again wayne ellington the other thing too is that these guys all could potentially be trade bait who knows how much you're going to get there but you know could get a second or something for some of these guys Reggie Bullock, same position as Wayne Ellington, but they at least added shooting uh, with Ellington. Uh, we talked yesterday about how it may not be the best developmental situation for their young guys, Barrett, Knox, uh, and Robinson and Smith, although they've certainly brought in plenty of, of Smith competition uh, at this point. And Frank Nilakina, uh, I mean, he's he may never see the light of day again at this point. Uh, so the Knicks are, are now basically out of space uh you know i have them with about two million left they still would have the possibility of bringing back the unicornette luke cornette who they did not give a restricted free agent qualifying offer to but they still maintain his cap hold on the book should they want to bring him back uh emmanuel mudier they had to give up his cap hold he'll likely be elsewhere and of course mario hazonia has already signed it in portland uh, among some of their free agents also talked they could bring back lance thomas that presumably would be at the minimum and they still uh have their room exception to work with uh you want to talk about anything to add on the knicks you want to turn to the blazers no, let's turn back to the trade and but first let's mention the protection just so to make sure that we have it in there for the pick that is going from Miami to the Clippers. Oh, I was I've not been privy to this yet. So what it is. per per Anthony Chang of the Miami Herald, Miami it the pick is lottery protected in twenty three, lottery protected in twenty four, lottery protected in twenty five, and then unprotected in twenty six. All right, so that's uh, that's one where they don't the, the, they're kind of hedging a little bit against the fact that the Heat might kind of just be mediocre during this period uh, because at least they they would get that twenty three pick if the Heat you know stay okay and are actually in the playoffs, which would obviously reduce the value of their twenty twenty one pick, which is unprotected. All right, so good that we have. I guess we could talk more about uh, the Clippers. Mo Harkless to me is a quality player. If they do in fact get Kawhi Leonard, that would mean that. Jamichael Green would be on the move. You know, I think the big reason he hasn't signed yet is, is probably if they don't get Kawhi, they're going to want to bring him back. Uh, and they have a, his full bird rights to do that should they want to. Uh, but Harkless probably not quite as good of a shooter as green but a, more of a defender more of a wing uh defensively than green is perhaps um you know both those guys have kind of suspect jump shots so pretty similar combo forward type of players uh so you know he certainly would be i think a decent fit next to leonard can't shoot it amazingly well but to get that first rounder and obviously he's more salary potter that the clips have a lot of assets uh they probably if they do get Kawhi, would be trying to load up around him so having that salary to trade along with beverly frankly would be pretty useful for them they still have room for Kawhi. they may if they get Kawhi, have to move on from rodney magruder because he actually made the starter criteria as a bigger capital as a restricted free agent about three million but if they came to an agreement with him they could pull his qualifying offer reduce his cap hold down to the minimum and then still have full bird rights on him and bump him up again magruder another guy who i think would be a solid fit next to leonard who can shoot and and 
through most of the game defend some of the better guys on the other team portland the the trade is basically hassan whiteside for mo harkless and myers leonard and his cancer did not go back all that he could have come back for was a right around the minimum uh he's in boston now we'll talk about that but what do you think of this sub while taking on an extra five million in money while you're in the tax mind you of uh white side for mo harkless and myers leonard there are a few examples around the league of teams coaches that their scheme allows them to play a different type of guy than a lot of other teams do and with terry stotts that is the idea of the more under the basket type of center the drop back center yeah, def- does, defensively. Defensively. Yeah. Does Stotts, can, Stotts can really use that. And so one of the ways of, of benefiting from that sort of an unusual system is that you can generally get guys, maybe not perfect guys, but you can get players who make less or that are undervalued in the league because they're more limited and, and plug them into your system and they'll do really well. You know, I, and I think part of that's how Nurkic has thrived there. there. There are other centers over time that I think have done well there that might struggle other places. And Whiteside, I think, fits, he fits the description in terms of his skill set. I think that defensively, he's a, a wonderful fit for what Portland wants to do on that end. The problem with that is that he makes a ton of money. So this it, it doesn't fit that element of it. So this trade actually makes the Blazers more expensive. And uh, although, although he could be salary match in a Kevin Love trade. Yeah, he could be. As but, an expiring contract. Yeah, but Myers Leonard and Mo Arquist could have been salary matching too. Yeah, I think they would have been able to get pretty close. Love's making well like 28 million. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, I, I guess that doesn't make a huge difference. You're right. And, and it, it also sounds like, I mean, there's a reason why they, why beyond the fact that O'Shea, it sounds like, I remember he went after Whiteside back in 2016. So you get into that, like the Sean Marks thing with. Yeah. O'Shea did, the, did that with Cantor too. He got another of his dream centers. Yes. So. He likes his centers, doesn't he? He, he definitely does and does not like his forwards. We'll get into that in a minute as well. Yeah. But so Whiteside, I think he fits in well in the interim. I think he is a better option for a Nurkic stopgap than the players they had on roster. But this has a couple other ripple effects that I think are a little bit bizarre. So one is Hassan Whiteside is historically not the happiest guy with being marginalized. And that happened with Bam Adebayo and some of the other stuff in, in Miami, not playing in crunch time. He's clearly behind Nurkic in the pecking order in Portland and he's a, in a contract year maybe the change of scenery kind of forces him to grow up a little bit there maybe it doesn't and then the other thing is that this largely codifies something paralleling the Indiana Pacers and a few other teams where because they have so many guys that you and I consider centers it looks and so few guys that we consider forwards that Portland is going to be occupying those forward minutes with a lot of guards playing up and a lot of centers playing down and so that's going to be Zach Collins playing in two big lineups that's going to be Kent Bazemore playing the three and that could work it could work in certain certain circumstances Rodney Hood's probably going to play a fair amount of the three as well but it is it is definitely a choice in a conference that at least has LeBron James might have Kawhi Leonard as well on a team that has lofty aspirations yeah they already lost off Rukuminu and yeah, I get that they're concerned about his shooting. He lost time as the playoffs went on. So did Harkless. Uh, Rodney Hood got a lot of those minutes at the three. He's back. Bazemore is going to play a lot of, at the three, two. I don't care for if they must play two bigs off the bench, which it seems they must. Zach Collins and Whiteside, once Nurkic is healthy, doesn't make as much sense as Zach Collins and Myers Leonard does to me because of the lack of shooting. Uh, another thing I'd be very concerned about Whiteside is, yes, he can crush some lobs 
But if he's setting the screen for Dame Lillard 35 feet from the basket or CJ McCollum outside the three-point line and they trap those guys, Hassan Whiteside is utterly incapable of actually making a decision and making a play off the dribble. So look for a lot of traps uh, on those pick and rolls. Uh, And the Blazers eventually had to go with Myers Leonard. And remember, Leonard had that crazy 25-point first half in game four against the Warriors because those guys were getting trapped and they needed someone who could actually make a play. And that just simply is not Whiteside. Now, defensively, does he make them better yeah kp had it in his piece that he's one of the best uh rim protectors by percentage in the league and terry stotts has him in the perfect system and he stotts is able to keep ennis Cantor from getting completely killed against most competition and so Whiteside will help there uh he will also add to their offensive rebounding element which has typically been an underrated facet of this team's offense uh, he'll fit right in there and he, he'll be the best finisher they have uh, around the rim nurkic that's one of his uh and Collins, for that matter, not one of their best attributes. But the lack of anyone who can guard a bigger wing, you know, who's going to guard Paul George now? Who is going to guard LeBron James? If you're again, you're talking about playoff matchups here. James Harden, he's a little smaller. Yeah, you you know, you might be okay with Baysmore there. I mean, Nasir Little, I'm not considering him to be ready. Jake Lehman, they still got the qualifying offer out on him. He'll presumably be back in some form or fashion. But you know, again, not a guy you're counting on as a stopper on the wing. So maybe they're not done we'll see what happens they also are going to try and find time for anthony simons who uh had that huge game against the kings that uh won the blazers the game they didn't want to win and indirectly actually got them into the western conference finals so thank you anthony simons for being smarter than your organization and actually winning them that game can i make a stray note i just thought of yeah it's entirely true that the blazers did play against the the thunder in the first round so they did play a, a great small forward but i wonder if olshay thinks about their forward situation differently if the team they lost to in the western conference finals had kevin durant because that weakness yeah. on their team wasn't exploited because he just wasn't available yeah i mean right back then you know they didn't need rodney hood to actually guard someone you know uh and same thing against the nuggets too and the nuggets don't have that player so you're right though and now and paul george was uh, pretty limited in that series because of, of his shoulders and he wasn't he had some good games but he wasn't able to dominate really so i i would say i don't really like this move as much for portland especially given that they're taking on more money but we'll see what side maybe he works out okay uh and also perhaps this is an understanding that Ennis Cantor wouldn't be back they didn't have a way uh, to bring him in and uh, with the exceptions that were available because he just signed for the minimum at the end of last year and also that Nurkic may not be back uh, to start the season um you know I don't think he's going to be as bad as Hayward because Nurkic you know that uh, he's more in the Paul George realm where you know the ankle wasn't involved it was just a clean break George took about eight months to get back Nurkic we'll see whether he takes longer due to the fact that you know he's one of the heavier guys in the league let's talk about how miami's team looks now the overall exchange here from the initial trade remember they were just going to trade Dragic and that was it then the Mavs thought no they're actually trading Olenek and Derek Jones all those guys are still on the team Whiteside is gone they really didn't need him anymore now they can play Olenek more at the five on backup units I would imagine that Bam is probably going to start for them they might want to get one more third center type in there so now that they've made this move they have to stretch Ryan Anderson he had 15 points six million guaranteed so that stretches out to 5.5 
1.2 million over the next uh, three years once they do that they are looking at only about three million dollars below the apron that will reduce further when they uh, and that's for 13 players they'll probably sign kz akpala their number 32 overall pick so knock a million off that they'll have about two million to work with but they will at least be uh, at 14 guys maybe we'll see them only carry 14 uh, to start they've also got non-guarantees for yate Martin and duncan robinson and kendrick nunn so you could easily see you know those guys aren't as established especially none so you you could see them just going for more of a, a veterans minimum contributor i like where the team is though a lot more since they still have Dragic. they needed one more pick and roll guy Dragic actually shot it really well after coming back from injury hopefully he'll play better after you know he won't have that huge knee brace on uh, like he did after the surgery last year myers leonard actually you know he'll be the third center but he actually gives them a, a shooting and passing element if needed if one of Adebayo or olenic go down and yeah they, they won't need the third center i wasn't counting leonard in my calculations so there's still a little light on shooting but especially now that you don't have white side anymore uh and you're going to be playing olenic more at center he probably won't get as many minutes if any at power forward your shooting on this team looks a lot better your defense takes a little bit of a hit perhaps but i like where they're at more i think they actually really needed dragic uh, at this point in time yeah, I, I think he helps a lot and it changes the way I think about the trade. But it is still, some of the fundamentals are still pretty similar where, I mean, I really like Josh Richardson as a player and what Butler brings is, is certainly valuable. And I think his his absence will be noted in, in Philly. Kevin Pelton's breakdown of that had this awesome stat that I wish we could have included last night that Ben Simmons, his clutch usage is basically, was basically nil once during the season. Part of that is because he can't shoot. During, during the playoffs. During the playoffs, yeah. yeah. And, and Jimmy, because Jimmy Butler took over and it's going to be restructured that could end up working out for the Sixers but we'll have to see Butler could take on some of what Dwayne Wade did incidentally on the heat in prior years Dragic might not be the happiest guy in the world about that but he'll deal and we'll see how the differences in defensive acumen you know Butler is is probably at this point a little overrated as a defender still still good when he when he kicks it in but and and but he's good with a different type of guy than Richardson I like Richardson on smaller guys more than I like Butler there so what do the heat need against a specific matchup will be interesting but yeah, yeah i mean waiters and winslow maybe can work there but i agree i mean they don't have i mean that guy who's really gonna like pressure up uh, on opposing point guards they also still don't have a traditional backup point guard i guess that'll just be butler's role you think yeah butler uh and and maybe that one of the things they do is they get somebody for the minimum at that kind of you know a steward role i've I, you know the raymond felton idea that i floated in the mock-off season felton or isaiah briscoe i think both those guys could be possibilities yeah so this also vaporizes basically the heat's cap space next summer unless james johnson and kelly olenic opt out and maybe olenic actually uh, james johnson probably not but maybe olenic opts out you know i mean we could we could see what the market looks like i've been saying this over and over again uh, let's do a couple quick hitters here in minnesota jordan bell uh, agrees to a one-year deal at the minimum bell this is apparently the best role uh, that he had uh, available you know it's been a disappointing fall for him when early in his career with the warriors looked like he would be part of their core that they got him as a steal with that 3.5 million dollar purchase uh, the number 38 pick uh but now he joins uh, the wolves they still have gorgie jang there as well the wolves also uh don't have a four 
on the team bell can at least guard the four and maybe he could play together with towns because the town's ability to space the floor bell flashed a little bit of a mid-ranger and gorgie jang also shot it better towards the end of the year maybe they'll just play covington at the four as well that that could be the plan also but you know i think bell has uh, the reason he was unrestricted of course is because of the warriors issues which we'll get to uh, with the hard cap but they felt like he wasn't necessarily worth a, a roster spot uh, anymore uh, i disagree with that i still think he'd be pretty good we'll see what kind of a impact he can make it in minnesota but uh, hopefully he'll get a little more leeway to play through some mistakes there he'll be competing as mentioned with jang uh for backup center minutes and then the wolves also picking up from the warriors the now slightly more guaranteed deals of shaz napier and travion graham who, who would have fully guaranteed as of july 10th and presumably will do so assuming the wolves keep them they did get some cash for the warriors to take them on as part of the uh sign and trade for russell uh the wolves now get some insurance at backup point guard in case tyus jones gets a big offer sheet on the restricted market that's the one place where the restricted market has been pretty cool is uh with these kind of you know starter backup ish point guards like right and jones i guess sadaransky got the offer sheet today which we'll talk about but i think it just for the wolves to get these guys at basically the minimum graham another guy who has some tools on the wing he'll presumably get some chances here um you know shot it poorly last year uh, coming off of that big hamstring injury that he had you know he'll be in competition with like Keita bates job and josh akogi coming off the bench and Napier you know, probably will be uh, their starting backup point guard at a minimum or even maybe competing with Jones. I, you know, I think Napier to me is criminally underrated. Like I think he's better than Alfred Payton, you know, and Alfred Payton just got $8 million guaranteed. So I, I'm, uh, I, I think just because he got dumped by the magic after getting dumped by the heat, you know, people didn't realize what he's actually been able to do. I thought he was pretty decent last year as well when he w- was forced into action when Dinwiddie was hurt. Right. And there's a, a parallel with Pat Connaughton, another player who Portland cut loose and you know Portland was able to rebuild their bench but I thought both of those guys looked good on their new teams last season and so that doesn't mean you know Portland made a mistake or anything I mean though they could have got both brought both those guys back on the cheap I really like Napier for the Wolves I I hope that he makes it on this contract basically if it even if he gets fully guaranteed at the at that number totally fine and my affinity for Travion Graham is pretty well known at this point so getting some depth at a team-friendly price, and also, theoretically, if they want to bring those guys back, minimum cap holds for the summer of 2020. I think that's a nice piece of business for Minnesota, and... It, the, it, it kind of feels to me like they were caught in a lurch by what happened to D'Angelo Russell, that they kind of thought they had an idea. Yeah, Krasinski of, had, a, had a good piece yeah, on his, that. Yeah, his, his piece was fantastic, kind of about the thought process and, you know, it, it, how... But they were just as surprised as we were, as it turned out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, that they've, they've been thinking about the Lakers, but had, it, but you know, kind of had a sales pitch in mind. They had the connection with Towns, and then all of a sudden, it's just a completely different sales pitch from a team with, with the pedigree and the Warriors offering the full max and, and everything like that. So, yeah... It was that was a really good piece. I recommend people read it at the Athletic. And so maybe they were maybe they had contingency plans in place involving Teague, probably not Wiggins, but Teague and some other stuff. And so now that stuff gets put at least temporarily on the back burner, probably probably for a long time. I mean, I, I assume Teague's going to play on the Wolves this season. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Garrison Rosas pivots from this. But I think that's a, nat- a natural lead in to the reason why it appears that the Warriors made those sorts of moves is that they are pinching pennies more than almost any team in modern NBA history. 
yeah they will be forced to now they were i was incorrect they were in fact able to bring back kavan looney his market was a little bit drier than i thought it might be but pretty much right around where it would have been at the room exception but they gave him a third year three years 15 million he is able to start at 4.629 million (laughs) and yes each one of these thousand dollars is basically at the point of mattering for these guys now uh, assuming that D'Angelo Russell gets the max, which we do, Clay Thompson uh, agreed to his max deal today with a 15% trade bonus. No options on that. They've got Jacob Evans and Damian Jones still on the team. Looney with his 4.6. Alfonso McKinney, the non-guarantee for just under 1.6. Then you throw in their two second-round draftees, uh, Alan Smilajic and Eric Paschal. Those guys get to make just under 900000 Jordan Poole makes $1.9 million. Add all that up with three guys making the vet minimum which is basically the lowest they could possibly get guys to to make because even if you get guys who are cheaper if you didn't draft them towards the apron they actually count at the two-year veterans minimum so there's no point even getting someone who's cheaper for that reason like that's the rule is set up that way so that you don't try to just get rookies instead of veterans who cost more i have them with just over and and there's a little bit of conflict here between me and bobby mark so uh i'll update you if we can figure out what that is uh i i have them trading sean livingston and getting off of his two million dollars guaranteed they could also stretch him in which case they would have like four hundred thousand dollars left but i have them with one point million dollars with 14 players and you can still sign non-guaranteed guys as long as you cut them before the season starts so you actually have to start paying them but yeah it is going to be a shoestring budget and if guys like get injured uh, you know all these guys even they bring into camp they're gonna have to make sure that they're all willing to do exhibit nine so that they can they don't have to like those guys don't get injured they don't have to pay them in an injury settlement very high leverage two-way contracts as well yeah no i, I mean that's uh that's an interesting one but then you know what if those guys actually perform then what do you do i mean i guess they don't care about competing this year it seems like so you just keep the guy in the two-way and then play the restricted free agent dance of next year keep in mind of course that this hard cap only lasts for one year um they also as we mentioned yesterday got a 17 million dollar trade exception in the Iguodala trade but they will be pretty much powerless to use that because they can't go over that hard cap for any reason they would have to use that immediately at the bell on July 6th next year uh when all of the trades uh, are made I, I want to uh, add or, in or one when, more when the, the uh, sorry when the moratorium ends. one more thing they can do so I, I wrote a piece during the season after the what Daryl Morey did with Carmelo Anthony and, and Michael Carter Williams about how yeah he basically what he did is he paid teams functionally to take on those players and what happens is when you when you trade a player their whole salary comes off your books for cap and tax purposes and so theoretically what the Warriors could do then is if they can offload some of these players in the season use some of their available cash then and and picks if they want if they still have any left but doing so would theoretically would clear a little bit more hard cap wiggle room and remember that the Warriors still have their mid-level exception so theoretically if let's say they are in the playoff mix they could have a little bit bit more spending power it would be it would be pretty marginal but it, it might actually matter so that's something to kind of file away for let's call it february of of 2020 yeah and damian jones who makes 2.3 jacob evans makes 1.9 those guys maybe you could combine them and move them for some assets uh, at the deadline and then you know open up a little more space to get a contributor it just doesn't really seem like they are interested in contributing now those vet minimum spots will be very interesting they don't have this thing called a small forward on the roster maybe clay will play there when he comes back but he's not they're not going to want him to just guard the best guys on the other team right when he gets back uh so expect to see a lot of three guard lineups i also would imagine 
imagine that Quinn Cook is now an unrestricted free agent. I haven't seen that reported anywhere, but just because this qualifying offer would have been 1.9 million and they can't spare that extra 300,000, uh, you know, maybe they could bring him back for the minimum, but he, he should have offers out elsewhere. Maybe he ends up with his buddy KD in Brooklyn. So yeah, I mean, they're going to need to find guys at that veterans minimum and you know who might that be who can actually play the small part i mean you know stanley johnson this could be a good landing spot for him or a, or a justin anderson or a sam decker you know maybe luke and bob mute could be someone they could take a chance on although you really you can't afford the to strike problems. out you know yeah I, I mean like you said you can maybe get off these but let's recall too uh, and you know they still need uh, they probably don't need a backup point guard necessarily because uh the russell can play in that position uh they probably would want to have one more center on the roster as well i mean unless you want to actually be playing smiley geach um and maybe eric bashal will play some but he's really more of a four and you know he also was drafted number 39 overall so i uh, wouldn't want to count on him i mean we'll see how, whether they even care about competing or, or, or not this year it really seems like the, this is just a well should i give my punch. should i give my theory on this yeah that please. it's it's and this was pre this i developed this pre-russell trade but it still holds which is that i think they're going to play it by ear until february and that maybe late january depending on when they know because at that point they'll have a much better idea of when clay thompson's coming back and so if they're still close maybe they push a little harder do some of these moves on the margins to get a little bit better but then if they aren't then they do it and also by that point russell would theoretically be eligible to be traded i don't know if they're gonna if they intend on moving him that sooner to me it's far more likely at this moment that they would do a russell trade if should that be the plan in july because at that point the hard cap restriction is over it's a lot more flexible he is ideally a human trade exception plus because the idea that he'd be a positive value contract so and you you damn well better hope that he's a positive value if you're thinking of him as a trade asset because of all the things the warriors gave up now it's two first round picks with one of them having protection to be to be announced and also jordan bell's gone demarcus cousins can't come back unless he takes the minimum which he sure as hell shouldn't do and then and everything else i know man he he, uh he doesn't have much of a market right now but uh which is which is remarkable i mean like that you think about what happened yeah, with I mean, him last he could year. end up on the Clippers. He could end up... Yeah, you know, I, that's I mean, actually my theory, is that he's going to end up on one of the teams that doesn't get Kawhi Leonard. He'll just end yeah. up... Him and, like, Marcus Morris and a few of those other guys, that's probably going to be what happens with them. Um, yeah, and, you know, we'll never know the counterfactual of just what this team could have looked like if, let's say, they just tried to bring everyone back, brought back Cousins, and uh, Looney, they would have had full bird rights on. They maybe could have brought back Bell. We'll see if he develops some, somewhere else and uh, use the mini level i mean certainly you know we got gave them wayne ellington in the mock off season two years guaranteed what you could have given wayne ellington more with that got got him you know that jay crowder trade if they're willing to give up first round picks they could have tried to rebuild or around this team and and it remains to be seen i mean i think they actually could have built a pretty decent squad with steph curry and three and d guys uh, around him you know garrett temple is someone they they maybe could have gone after as well um you know he ended up in brooklyn but you know the market for guys at those that type of money actually you know was not bad uh and i think they could have gotten guys who really would have helped and i think it's really forgotten and if you just throw on a couple of competent three and D guys with the group that they had, if Clay Thompson were healthy, of course, and you don't know if that'll be the case, and you don't know if Draymond and Saf how they're going to age. I mean, it certainly would be a risk to not to just try to build around those guys, and then maybe they're not as good. But I, you know, I thought they could have been something like a five seed, and then maybe if Clay were back, and maybe even could have been a dark horse uh, to win the West, depending on you know, obviously if Kawhi goes to LA, that might change things. But you know, they could have been in there if.
if Clay came back relatively strong, maybe it would have just taken him longer and he wouldn't have been any good. Who knows? Um, Brooklyn, again, great job by them getting another protected first round pick for their trouble. KD did have to agree to physically sign and trade with the Warriors, but I think knowing that his current team was getting a first round pick was uh, a good way to entice him to do that. You know, maybe it's possible that Brooklyn would have been fine with it just to do D'Angelo Russell a solid since he helped them get to this point. Uh, but, you know, KD was a third party there who needed to be induced. Um, Warriors also had to pay some cash to get off of Napier and Graham. I think they probably should have kept at least Graham. Napier was a little more redundant with the point guards that they have. But, you know, he's played in two guard lineups before. He's at least a quality player, which they're short on. But we'll see how much cash they had to give up because, as you mentioned, cash could be very important to get off of mistakes um which they're going to need where do you want to go next here let's go to dallas so the question of june 30th of what the hell is dallas doing is partially answered though far from completely answered and they did a couple things so we we hadn't noted this earlier it was it didn't exactly get blown up on the radar screens they guaranteed ryan brokoff he had an early guarantee date for the 1920 season so he will be on the roster and then the first signing that they did was a return and that is the return of seth curry he got four years and 32 million dollars curry is an interesting fit with Luka Doncic because he's to me he's better off ball than on ball and can shoot so they can use him then they can also have him in some second unit lineups they can work it there then just to go through all the moves and then we could talk about him collectively they agreed to terms with Moxie Kleba Kleba is getting four years 35 million and the final year is a team option because they agreed to it ahead of time one of the benefits here is and basically between now and July 6th Dallas can figure out how they want this contract structured if they can it would be great to front load this deal because then they can have smaller money when Luca is about to hit free agency and all that kind of time but whether they can do that or not will depend on what other spending they do between now and and then and then they also agreed to terms with JJ Barea and it sounds like that's going to be similar where it'll probably be at the minimum but if they can give him more and still be under the tax or whatever whatever the constraint is that they will do it yeah by the way a quick aside that Powell extension three for 33 after inducing him perhaps to opt in when you see Looney three for 15 Rashawn Holmes room exception Ennis Cantor room exception Robin Lopez room exception Ed Davis room exception kind of puts three years 33 million for your age 29 to 31 seasons for Dwight Powell in in a little bit of perspective there I mean it's just impossible yeah and it, it parallels what I talked about with with Portland earlier that when you have developed a scheme where you can use a specific type of player that can be more limited then you don't need to overpay for that guy it's the the old idea that's been used here is like for san antonio of like you don't pay jonathan simmons you find the next jonathan simmons it's sort of that idea with dwight powell except they paid dwight powell yeah, I'd be all about Paul if he could defend, but he's just not that good uh, on that end. So Curry, is he going to start for these guys at point guard, or are they just well, going to we'll have see, Doncic? We'll see, we'll the see what else they do, guard. but I think yeah. there's, I think there's a distinct chance, and their their guard rotation could be in a little bit of flux at least for now because they still have yeah. a, they still have a bunch of spending power. I think it's around twenty two million. So yeah, I mean, probably not going to use that on a point guard though. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't think like, so. Seems like Danny Green is their primary target there. I have a prediction actually. We'll see if this is true that if Kawhi does go back to Toronto that Danny Green will not be there just because either the Mavs Clippers or Lakers are going to offer him so much that it just won't make sense for Toronto to bring him back especially on a long-term deal with all their other guys expiring that's that's just a thought but it seems like I mean Danny Green is like just about the only guy left and now people are going to go apeshit about Danny Green getting paid way too much when he's been criminally underpaid for his entire career uh so yeah I mean Curry might start at the one for these guys he can play off ball run a little bit of pick and roll uh I mean great 
great to see him get paid four years a lot for seth curry though and your your idea and mine too of their summer of 2021 plan is looking like uh it may be less possible now i mean i guess justin jackson is in the mix mix there too you know we haven't really talked about him much i I just his inability to defend anybody with any kind of heft is what makes me feel less interested in him being a major part of the rotation they still got finney smith as a restricted free agent and you you talked about uh, the other deals uh, with Kleba. I thought that is a solid deal. I don't mind the four years for him because I think that's a, a decent contract. Well, and the fourth um, year is a team option, so right, that helps yeah, too. So, so that yeah, that really helps. I mean, we'll see if there's any non guarantees on the end of that Curry deal as well. I do yeah, and, wonder. Oh, sorry, that that's something we should mention. We talked about you brought this up, and I'm happy you did with Vooch yesterday. Remember that almost exclusively when we hear contract terms right now, it is the most favorable interpretation for the player that's just the way this works out or, or the agent or the agent yeah for yeah. Or the agent so don't be so like if you're whether it's you you have your own excel or if it's you're thinking trying to do the hard math remember that a lot of times these deals end up being lighter than reported either through unlikely bonuses or just being you know maybe they get fudged a little bit up just to make it to win the equivalent of winning the press conference so remember that with a lot of these deals that they will look somewhat or in some cases significantly more favorable for the team's when actually reduced to paper yeah i'm interested to know what else seth curry had philly has about the same amount of room left as what what he's starting at here uh so that that might have been they might have been in on him that would have been a mock off season special although oh hey remember when you uh cheap ass teams were offering me one year eight million for seth curry yeah to put put three more years on the end of that and then maybe it'll be realistic uh and again though you know this could be a, a situation where it's like all right you know we're going to go four years on this guy but isn't that better than trying to have to give out a contract next summer as well you know maybe we'll see we'll see what guys go for next summer could make these look like relative bargains but curry with some of his health issues being a little undersized i mean he can't shoot that's his number one skill but you know going out for fully guaranteed years for him if in fact that is the case for the 28 year old is a little more maybe than would have been ideal and plus there's value of having him be able to guard his brother if the warriors end up making the playoffs man uh, this west playoff picture we're we're gonna have to take some time to wrap our heads around this when we do the offseason grades we're we're waiting we also have to wait for at least one guy to sign to to know all of it uh yeah yeah but like i mean there's so many teams that where you're especially like some of these young teams like dallas and new orleans where it's just like man these guys haven't been together i just have no idea what these teams are going to be you got a bunch of young guys as variables they got some veteran role players uh, uh, like there's a uh, utah is another one where you think you have a pretty good idea what it's going to look like and it, the lakers or clippers if they get Kawhi, there's this warriors team is, is totally different i mean there's just a lot of difficulties in projecting especially that bottom of the west playoff bracket is going to be fascinating anything else on these guys I mean, again, we long-time listeners of the program know we're probably sh- know why we're so high on Kleba. I'm sure a lot of people who had never heard of him were shocked at, at that number. But he got three for forty in the mock off season on an arena steal. And oh, and, they, this, and let me yeah. note if he got if if this structure had been offered by New Orleans in the mock off season, I would have matched it. Yeah, yeah, and also Kleba, it would make sense to because he has got the small cap hold to actually have him start as high as possible, which would be about nine 
$1.9 million and decline throughout the life of the contract. They're not really costing themselves anything uh, by doing that. And you have them less in that or making less in that summer of 2021, which uh, we've been targeting. I don't know if they've actually been targeting it, but uh, all right. Anything else on these guys or should you want to pick the next team here? Let's go to Chicago. So Chicago came to terms with Thomas Sadoransky and he's getting three years, 30 million. This is also going to be structured as a sign in trade with some modest second round pick based assets going back to Washington, including removing some protections on a second that went to Washington in the Otto Porter trade. A reminder of how recently these two teams interacted with one another, though that was a different general manager for the Washington Wizards than the than the one who negotiated this. Sato, three years, 30 million. I'm, I'm pretty much on board with that. Another element of their guard rotation can play both positions there, can fit with a lot of their guys. And to me, this is another sign that whether it happens imminently or it happens eventually, that Chris Dunn probably is not a part of the Bulls' long-term plans. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I really like this for Chicago. They needed more defense desperately in particular uh, Sadoransky not a lockdown individual defender but excellent team defender plays hard has pretty good size his shooting is a question mark he shoots it well but not often kind of the Darren Collison situation and ironic that the Bulls were linked to Collison before he retired amid a string of jokes or, or creating a string of jokes on Chicago talk radio that people uh, would rather retire than take 10 million a year from the Bulls uh but no I think they've uh, recovered from that pretty well here and Sadoransky at age 27 eh, maybe he doesn't get a lot better the shooting maybe uh, could be an element there they needed some more passing he, he provides that and he can defend both guard spots so if Kobe White develops then Sadoransky uh, can move into a backup role over the next couple of years or, or be a potential trade candidate when you look at the backup point guard market which inflated pretty quickly and you look at Corey Joseph getting three for 37 although there's a the non-guarantee on the end of that but there are guys and the starting point guard market as well when I mean, you look at what Rubio got I mean I think actually it's possible to me that Sadoransky is better than Rubio over the next three years especially from a health standpoint where Sadoransky has stayed healthy so I, I really like this for the bulls i mean you know maybe you could say they overpaid by a couple of million but he's a restricted free agent and you know chris dunn i don't know if anyone's going to be too enamored with him he makes uh 5.4 million going into restricted free agency next summer uh, he could just be out of the plans i'm sure he'll get a chance to uh, compete for minutes uh, at some point or another here and the bulls pretty much done in terms of cap space they have their room exception available they might want to get one more traditional kind of bruiser big they've got felicio there but this actually is a relatively deep team now if they can avoid uh, the type of injuries that they've had the last couple of years maybe they they could use one more kind of fill it up guy on the wing they but they got antonio blakeney there i, I don't know if he's an nba quality yeah, they, they also have the restricted free agency of ryan archidiacono uh, to deal with and perhaps uh his return uh, could ice out done they, they got a couple more players they can bring in i think i believe they had to waive or, or will have had to waive shaq harrison and walter lemon jr uh, to make this deal they might have been able to hold on uh, to shaq harrison so who knows maybe they won't even use uh, uh that room exception i don't know who's going to be out there that might necessarily be worth it for that but again i mean we saw how bad 2020 free agency might be just to get anybody who can play on a room exception contract for two years could well, be a good play they could also maybe keep that and try to use it into the season if somebody gets hurt and they have a greater need i don't think the bulls yeah. are going to be a buyout destination but at least they could, mm-hmm. it, could it could give them something yeah. else to offer and uh, we this can team actually might be okay yeah we'll see. Like, i, I want to think about it a well, lot more they, there's but... there's one big concern that i have so 
one, their point guard situation in the immediate is still a little bit. I mean, maybe they use Sato yeah. more there. And I think their talent is better suited to a to an approach that Jim Boylan might not employ. You know, like if this is a not a running team, I think they're going to struggle a lot just because their half court talent is it's better than it was, but it's it's not perfect. But yeah, yeah I mean, and just the overall was, development of Carter, White, Marketing, Levine, and Marketing. I mean, that's that's what this is about. But they've given these guys now. Uh, an ecosystem where right. they can succeed. Well, and, that, and that's that's a good point to bring up. So I've I've harped on this in the past, and the Bulls. I'm happy they're getting closer to nailing this, which is I think that you need to have enough quality, whether it's veterans, typically it is, around your young guys so that you can properly evaluate them. Because if it's just a slew of young guys thrown out there together, like the the Suns have been in this situation a couple times in the recent past, where it just gets hard to evaluate other guys because you have to say, well, what would it be like if they had, you know, a different power forward next to them? Or if they, if, you know, if they're it, the whole point guard fiasco in Brooklyn, in, sorry, in, in Phoenix last year, like those sorts of problems aren't going to be there for Chicago. So for this year, they can get a better sense of where, where is Markkanen? Is he a starter? Is he a great starter? Is he a, you know, like a lower end guy for now? And then where is he going? And same with Wendell Carter. So I really like that for them. And that's a natural lead in to their trade partners in this deal, the Washington Wizards. Do you want to start this with Fred Katz's question from today? I don't know if you saw it. No, it wasn't. Who is the second best player on the Washington Wizards? Yeah, that's, well, well, let's uh, let's keep that in mind as we go through uh, what some of their moves were. I mean, first of all, not matching on Sadoransky. Uh 27-year-old, they clearly had this deal for Ish Smith lined up. Two years, $6 million a season. Mock-off season strikes again. Good job, uh, Grunfeldman. Uh, they used a fair amount of their mid-level exception there to bring in Ish Smith. I forget exactly what they have in trade exceptions. Maybe there'd be a way to structure that as a sign and trade and keep the, the mid-level open once uh, they actually get down to it. I think they have enough in terms of trade exceptions still to take in Smith uh, at his starting salary. No base year compensation issues because he's making right about $6 million before. It's interesting how many guys, Thad Young was another one who, uh, veteran guys who basically were just given exactly what they were making before. Uh, you know, they're, they're, maybe that's just uh, anchoring at, at work there. And... They've also re-signed uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, of course, this year, which we talked about yesterday. We didn't really care for that move uh, that much, but he's going to be their starting center. Uh, and then they signed Isaiah Thomas, who actually I think is a really good fit there, just in terms of they desperately need someone who can create shots. I mean, they, you know, Ish could do that maybe a little bit. Uh, they got Brad Beal, and maybe Jabari will be back uh, to help with that also. But that might be a thought that they, uh, I mean, I think this is a good landing spot for Isaiah, where he can just kind of be the backup point guard and go nuts on the second unit, creating some shots. And we'll see if he, he'll he get a legitimate shot to prove that he has something left uh, at this point. And, and even if he's creating, you know, 51% true shooting percentage shots, uh, that would be probably helpful for for this team so the second best player that they currently have in our contract whew, ish smith probably gonna be ish smith either ish smith or thomas bryant and point guards are more valuable so i guess we'll go ish smith he's gonna be starting and this leads to the other question which is if this is at most or if not all of the team that the that the wizards have why in the world aren't they trading bradley beal yeah and supposedly uh, there's a few rumors uh, uh barry jackson had this of the heat trying to get involved on beal with the carrot of taking back john wall's contract as well but that would be exceedingly difficult with the heat hard cap with the butler sign trades that probably can't happen anytime soon yeah i mean i think when they're 
I mean, there's just, there's no way this team's going to be any good at this point. And they're going to have, they have nothing at the three. Their three, their starting three looks like Troy Brown right now, or or Rui, who I think is kind of more of a four anyway. Uh, their number nine overall pick, who, you know, I don't think a lot of people cared for uh, at that point either. And, you know, may, maybe this is okay we told Bradley that we're not trading him and if we just suck so badly it'll just become apparent to everyone that we have to trade him and then it won't be as big of a PR hit to move him maybe maybe that's the thought here or maybe the thought is hey you know what wall is out we're just going to tank it this year and we're going to get a good draft pick and then wall will be back next year and we'll be able to come back strong uh when Jan Mahimi is off the books they don't want to take on any long-term money for next year I mean they could have a little bit of space next year but uh, not much here Smith could move into a backup role I mean I still like Sadoransky better frankly but maybe they just felt like Sadoransky doesn't create well enough they just needed someone who can run a pick and roll a little bit better but 30 year old Ish Smith has made himself into a player has really improved his jump shot but it, that's uh that's asking a lot uh, for him to be a starter do you have more in the Wizards or do you want to do a, a small live reaction well it, let me just finish up with them real quickly um they we talked to about their offseason how they certainly weren't going to pay the tax this year as of now they have 18 million in room below the tax depending on on some of their non-guarantees they could even bring back john simmons john simmons might be their starter at the threes he's the only their best defender on the wing right now and then really the the only free agent that they have they still have full bird rights on sam decker maybe they could bring him back for something pretty low is jabari and so maybe this not matching on sadaransky is giving you the ability to bring back jabari also with this team being so bad you probably don't want to spend a bunch of money even if you're not in the tax because they've been expensive, remember, and they were in the tax uh, two years ago, I believe. So maybe that's just the thought that they just want to be less expensive. And in an overall sense, this is actually one of the lower revenue franchises in the league, despite uh, being in an outstanding market. So I guess Jabari coming back, and Jabari doesn't appear to have much of a market right now. Yeah, maybe that's uh, the thought here. And, and they desperately need Jabari Parker, as amazing that is to say. But yeah, these guys are going to suck next year. It's pretty obvious. They're going to be a lot worse than last year, and they sucked last year. Yeah, and my instinct is that Beal, I mean, he'll he'll have a high workload, but whether they'll have enough success to to get him to an All NBA yeah. level again. Here's an idea: don't play him 45 minutes a game. Yeah, that would be that would be preferable. This year. Okay. Although he's he's going to want to make All NBA again. Is. Yeah. Good luck on, on this 25 win team. Okay, live reaction time. Oh yeah, Anthony Tolliver to the Portland Trailblazers at the minimum. <laughs> well, I guess he said it wasn't a major move. No, uh, I, I did. I didn't oversell yeah. it. I thought Tolliver was underused last year with, with the Wolves. They even played him at the three a little bit, obvious, oddly enough. But Tolliver was always a little overwhelmed physically, even in the best of times. Made himself into a really good shooter, but, you know, what is he, 35 now? So, you know, I don't see him being a major part of the rotation. But, I mean, I mean just to get some shooting, that that is the one thing that they are doing is really getting a lot more shooting around Lillard. I think they're just so sick of Harkless and Aminu not being able to make shots that they're just, they feel like the system can get them good enough defensively and now that they get enough guys to make shots and so that trapping on dame yeah you might have a center but you if you've got enough shooters around him you can get the ball to those guys and they can make an open three uh even if the center isn't necessarily a playmaker but you know Tolliver for the moon is fine he's a good good bet obviously yeah and and fit in there a forward on the blazers so he joins jake layman presumably and mario hazonia as the basically forwards on their roster and yeah i like Tolliver. i think he could be a, a good fit for what they're doing and getting him at the minimum is is a to- totally reasonable play i love I like Tolliver. I've liked him more than than a lot of people for a little while now. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. We can move to another team in that in that Northwest Division, which is loading up 
I mean, it seems like it's it's been that way for a couple of years now. But the Jazz, there was a little bit of a crunch. We kind of knew this was coming with the math after the the Conley deal, which still has yet to be consummated, and then the signing of Bojan Bogdanovich and how they cleared the last little bit of room was waiving Halil Neto. I really like Neto. I think that a team would be wise to claim him off waivers, including the recently mentioned Washington Wizards. I think that would be a very it would be a good move. I would rather have him than Isaiah, yeah. for example. He, 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 you would need a trade exception or which they have cap space. He makes about two point two million. Yeah, so you could do that either way. And this is an example of why a low a low value trade exception can be very useful for certain teams. And so I, I think Neto should be claimed. If not, he's a, an, an intriguing backup guard on the market. So could see yeah. could see him go. In a, in a I, I think the problem for Utah. I mean, I like Neto as well. Is just that especially with Dante Exum already a health risk, they just needed someone who could be a little more dependable. But yeah, I mean, shopping for the minimum for a backup point guard that you need to actually play is tough now they did get all this other playmaking with Bogdanovich they've got Ingles so maybe you can say uh, we can get away with Dante Exum as our backup point guard but he's coming off a partially torn patellar tendon and you know I mean as he played even half the games in his career so hard to rely on him we'll see who they have in mind as just you know a pure minimum spot basically uh since they already used their room exception on Ed Davis um a couple other quick hitters now michael carter williams gonna be back in orlando sounds like the minimum we didn't get an official confirmation there but carter williams actually was the backup point guard once uh isaiah briscoe went down last year and once uh jerry and grant was deemed uh, ineffective troy daniels will join the lakers at the minimum that won't affect their cap space they'll use their cap space and then they can sign him at the minimum tim frazier in detroit he'll be a third point guard uh, not a terrible option as a third point guard uh, there uh, and they need a, a reasonably reliable option with Derek Rose playing the backup point guard now and, and Ish Smith gone. We had some hope that they could have re-signed Ish Smith, but uh, using full bird rights on him, but th- that wasn't the case. So it looks like Rose will be, he's not going to play off the ball much. looks like he's probably going to be their primary backup point guard. Maybe even closes some games over Maybe Reggie even Jackson. start some games. Uh, yeah, that is quite possible. Quickly in Brooklyn, the Nets, uh, Albert Namad had this, they're could be a way to structure the KD and Irving contracts with full maxes but with unlikely bonuses as we talked about yesterday and give DeAndre Jordan his four years 40 million they might reduce that a little bit if they do so uh to the tune of $287,000 they could have enough room to hold on to Musa and Rodi Kuroks uh, as well and we haven't heard anything about those guys getting traded so it sounds like that will indeed uh, be the case and uh we, we've got some other ones here that are more interesting yeah so let's go from Kyrie Irving new team to Kyrie Irving's old team, the Boston Celtics, they used a lot of their spending power on Kemba Walker. I agreed with that from a tactical perspective because I thought they could do more with the room mid-level as for a big, as, as opposed to splitting it the other way, maybe going for somebody like Vooch and then going small with and going cheap, going small. And Ennis Kanter is an interesting fit here. I mean, offensively gives them some gives them some elements. I mean, can can dominate on the offensive glass. Can uh, it has more? I think he has more offensive skill than I think some give him credit for. But remember, remember the story with Ennis Kanter of can't play him and all of that. And his his defensive limitations are prominent. And the Celtics think of themselves as a very competitive team. So giving a guy a one plus one at the room exception who can be exploited by the best of the best is is it 
definitely a decision, especially when you consider that even though some centers got paid, there were other talented centers on the market. So like, could they have gotten Kevon Looney for that same offer? Maybe. We don't know no, entirely. Pro- probably not. I mean, they got a, the, the Warriors gave him a third year. Yeah, it's, it I just mean, depends on whether he valued the player option or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there is some value to just having a big center who, you know, isn't just going to get completely trucked uh, in the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I think that's important. You have you should at least have that guy uh, on your roster. And maybe the hope is Robert Williams can evolve into more of the speed center that they need. Uh, and you know, maybe there's some thought that they could even go small, but they don't even have really like a full-size combo forward who could, can play a small ball center. So I don't know if I like that. Um, but there are some free agents, I think, that they could still get to, to kind of do that more speed defensive center role out there. And I think as, you know, as far as, I, I don't think this is bad value on Cantor. I really don't think there's a better player available for the room exception if, in fact, they were going to go in the center market. I mean, maybe you could argue that they should have just tried to get something, some more on the wing. They are a little thin now on the wing uh, as well, but all those guys are going to want to play big minutes anyway. So I, I, I actually think this is okay. I mean, you know, oh God, Ennis Cantor, like, can't believe he's starting, blah, blah. And, you know, how's he going to look outside of Portland? That's the only place he's ever defended. And how is this pick and roll defense combo with Walker? Is not going to be good? Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I mean, this is, they have completed morphing into a total offensive team. Brad Stevens is also going to have to figure out how to use a center who operates more out of the pick and roll rather than pick and pop uh, isn't really like a great decision maker uh offensive rebounds that hasn't really been a focus uh, of the celtics operates around the basket post up and we just haven't seen he's going to really have to revamp the offense i think both for kemba walker and for Cantor. but Cantor is an excellent pick and roll threat and you know i, I think this is about as good as they could have done at this point. The hope was that maybe they could still, because they have to do a sign and trade for Rozier, and the only way to, for, to do that for Charlotte is to take back Kemba in the sign and trade, that maybe there would be a way to stay over the cap and do that by also engaging either Brooklyn or Philly uh, to induce them to do the sign and trade. That could keep them over the cap. Maybe they could bring back Marcus Morris, or they could have the BAE available and, and just use part of the full mid-level on canter and use the rest of the full mid-level on somebody else but brooklyn and philly i mean if you're brooklyn and philly what's going to take for you danny to agree to doing something like that which you just don't have to do why are you going to help out boston in your division and in your conference a potential playoff opponent so Uh, uh, by the way uh, is this this atlantic division is this going to be the best division ever other than the next i mean the best top four ever in a a, like oh okay so now we're well we'll see if Kawhi comes back but best top four oh yeah yeah it would have to be yeah so so if you phrase it as best top four yeah it's going to be really strong i mean they're going to be four of the best teams in the entire conference are going to be right there than them and them and the bucks presumably so yeah that's that's pretty ridiculous and now last year's northwest was pretty loaded with all of the teams being very good but it didn't have that top end element to the same degree there there are some years where like the southwest division was pretty sick too. oh yeah when the the three texas teams and yeah yeah 2015 i think the southwest put like all five of their teams in playoffs uh anyway that's that's ancillary but yeah i mean what would it take first round pick yeah, uh, it, w- it would take it would take a first round pick, and it'd be especially because you'd be making Boston materially better. Oh, one other st- stray thing on on Ennis Canner that I was thinking about is that he has this visa situation due to the the conflict that he has with the Turkish government, and now being in the Eastern Conference means a it means more trips to Toronto because the Celtics just play them twice in Toronto each year, but also theoretically for a playoff series. And as I, as I understand it, those issues are straight up are not resolved. So at least at the moment, I'm going to treat it that he can't play in games there. So there is a circumstance where that ends up mattering. 
yeah that would, that would be a real bummer if that actually does end up swinging a playoff series that, that would really suck uh houston austin rivers back good deal here for the rockets i think one plus one at the minimum it might be possible for the rockets to use at least part of the mle and uh, some of the bae and they would then be hard capped they'd have some of the same issues the words if they start doing that we'll dig into the math a little bit more deeply there uh but to get rivers at the minimum yeah it's a one plus one but he he claimed that he had offers uh, around the the mini mid level not sure necessarily who that might have been uh but yeah i mean rivers performed well for them he was pretty good in that playoff series against the warriors he also provides a little bit more attacking off the dribble because they don't necessarily play a traditional backup point guard with this team he can guard up uh, defend pretty well I mean, he'll make mistakes sometimes defensively he's a you know not the most reliable shooter but he was was a quality rotation piece for them and you get that guy at the minimum in the playoffs who can hold up and not kill you and be in your rotation you, that's a win for sure yeah i absolutely love this deal for the rockets rivers fits in best next to a dynamic ball handler james harden most certainly fits that bill and he can play alongside chris paul has in multiple stops already and yeah i mean if you can get him for a one plus one that structure does mean that instead of counting at the veterans minimum for the 1920 season he counts at his actual salary because you only get that discount if it's a single year contract but that difference probably won't matter to the rockets another even better minimum sign this was awesome for milwaukee and, and i think makes the loss of brogdon much more palatable wes matthews one year minimum deal to go back uh, to uh, where he played his college ball at marquette wes age 32 i think he's you know if not a great starting option he can make the three he's tough he's got some switchability I mean, he's slowing down certainly but at 6'5 he's strong he doesn't back down for anyone he can guard some bigger wings if needed and he might start at the two for these guys and perhaps that is in fact what induced him to go there for the minimum as we saw in indiana where he took less money to go there and start last year and and there could there guy. could also be a parallel here with rivers and west matthews both guys who i think could have gotten more than the minimum but chose a situation that they were happy with matthews playing time and also he went to high school in madison and went to college at marquette so that the opportunity to be on a you know i guess you could call it his hometown team even though he was born in san antonio and start or play a lot of minutes on a title contender that's good we saw Matthews as you said really prioritize playing time unfortunately that didn't materialize in terms of you know from Indiana in terms of his next offer or maybe he just chose less I think that's a a realistic possibility with with Wes Matthews like a couple other players that we'll talk about both today and moving forward a player who if the market wasn't more robust for him it should have been because he's a talented player and when you consider some of the money that other guys got even some players who I like then that that would be a mark of a kind of a weird market so I really I love this signing for the Bucks. It takes some of the sting out of the Malcolm Brogdon thing that I I harped on yesterday. Doesn't entirely because they still could have signed Malcolm Brogdon, but at least they got a capable player who who can really help them. Yeah, and as we said yesterday, if you if you missed it on that three hour long opus, uh, Danny was pretty critical of, uh, of the Bucks uh, for letting Brogdon go, despite the fact that that's a, a little bit of a tough contract to swallow. Uh, you know, to save money, I said I would give him an incomplete for now. We'll see what they 
do with the additional flexibility a potential trade exception they might get for him and the first and two seconds that they got back so the tbd here for at least for me for the bucks um but yeah best matthews i also like that mike budenholzer is probably going to get him out of some of his bad tendencies which is like liking to post up too much which you can't really do anymore and just have him stand out there and shoot some threes uh matthews one of his weaknesses is he can't really get to the basket and finish as a driver if he's run off the line you know that was a problem that uh, this bucks team had but again with with that amount of money i, I think uh, he could be pretty useful for them he's not you know he's older he can't really get out in transition the way brogdon could either for a team that likes to run uh so but again as a minimum signing getting someone who can plausibly start for you uh, really useful there where do you want to go next let's go to oklahoma city we knew on monday or sorry on sunday that they were adding Mike Muscala. We still don't have terms there, but I assume it's for the minimum. And Nerlens, they there was an announced deal and then it fell apart and now it's back on. So Nerlens Noel will be on the Thunder next year. And also Alec Burks will be on the team. He ha- He's had a strange little odyssey since leaving Utah, bounced around, ended last season in Sacramento. And, you know, at the minimum, totally a worthy, a worthy selection for them. And we're getting some pretty clear signs here that Oklahoma City is not going to use at least the mid-level in whole, in, in, in full at this point. But it is also no that at least as of now they haven't used any assets to offload bad salary which was certainly a possibility and and both of us thought that was notable when they got basley basely on draft night that they didn't use that for for dumping purposes so maybe they will kind of grin and bear it for one more year yeah and maybe that was not using that pick now then to dump say patrick patterson who makes of course right around the mini mid levels since that's what he signed for two years ago that perhaps precluded them uh, from using it this year due, due to their financial constraints uh the center room exception roulette continues Rashawn holmes leaves phoenix to sign in sacramento where he really just doesn't appear to have a, a a huge role now he is an excellent role man solid in the offensive glass pretty good in transition defensively he blocks shots but he does little else not the greatest recognition but he's got a lot of competition obviously at center they just signed deadman uh, they've got Bagley, who presumably might want to get some minutes at center. They've also got Harry Giles, uh, who's a, a developmental guy. This is one where it's just like, all right, we got this room exception. We think Holmes is a good player. We're not going to have cap space next year anyway. Eh, most likely. Might as well just use this uh, on Rashawn Holmes. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he's as good as some of the other guys uh, who signed, but he is a little younger and uh, provides uh, that finishing element uh, around the rim. Uh, Willie Cauley Stein, of course, uh, is unrestricted now. I think we mentioned that yesterday. So he, he might be one of the better centers uh, available on the market still. Anything to add there? Only that this does, I mean, when you think about just the sheer number of bigs that Sacramento has on roster, this might lend itself towards Bielita being on the outs. I don't know that for sure, but they just have so many guys now at the four and the five. Yeah. I mean, they still don't have a ton of shooting in the front court. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would play Bielita. I really like it. So. Yeah. And if, if Luke Walton subscribes to the Steve Kerr approach of just playing everybody, I mean, the, these guys will get chances. I mean, they still, I think, have Yogi Farrell on the roster too as a third point guard, which is not bad either uh now that they have Corey joseph he was another kind of somewhat redundant guy uh, but yeah i mean they're really too deep at every position with you know they don't necessarily have any stars that uh, De'Aaron fox is still their best player but uh you know and this the other thing too is if they're going to try and run which i'm sure they'll continue to do under walton having a lot of depth can be useful kings basically are done now uh, and uh, having used their room exception also and they're at 12 players uh, or, or i'm sorry they're at 11 players guaranteed depending on what they want to do with Farrell 
Frank Mason and BJ Johnson. They've also still got Caleb Swanigan on this team who they might just wave to get more of a developmental guy in one of those roster spots. He is guaranteed for this year, but it doesn't really seem like uh, he's going to break into the rotation anytime soon. And then continuing that, Frank Kaminsky has signed the room exception with Phoenix. Phoenix uh, needing a defensive upgrade in the front court. Signed Kaminsky. That's a joke. They do have Aaron Baines now, at least that helps. So it can't be quite as snarky as I used to be there. But Kaminsky, I assume being signed to play the four, that is a lot of money for Kaminsky, you know, who I think of as basically a replacement level guy. He had, you know, a good month and a half down the end in Charlotte when they had all those center injuries. And, you know, he shot the ball well. You know, he's been very spotty as a shooter, which is supposed to be the one thing he was awesome at. Looks to put the ball on the floor and drive and distribute a little bit, but he's also just an atrocious defensive player. And this is one where with it being a two-year deal i would have rather just you know if you can't you find you want to use it on on him this year that doesn't kill you but why why go out another year forward for a, a guy who just you know i mean i guess he's their backup stretch four that's the the role that he's filling there uh maybe he gives them they feel he gives some insurance for charge if he gets too expensive as a restricted free agent next year but he's just he's not any good and their defense is uh not going to get any better by having him out there right and i think the big story here is the opportunity cost that there were capable players that, that were available, not a ton of them, and maybe a ton, not a ton of them that were interested in going to Phoenix. But Kaminsky, I just... I don't see him as a surefire NBA player. And if somebody else, he wants to prove that somebody else, then that's fine. You know, like that, that the Suns don't have that clear cut need of like, oh, well, we, we he's the best option for a, a real thing yeah. that this team. But like how much do you think Rondé Hollis Jefferson goes for? You know, do you think he's going to get more than this? No. Or, or even just bringing in like a Wilson Chandler or, uh, you know, the Morris twins won't be going back there, obviously, uh, you know, or, or a Jeff Green. I mean, someone, someone who just give him and Kelly Oubre is still out there in theory by the way they uh, reporting out of Phoenix indicating that he they plan to hold on to his restricted free agent capital but they're gonna actually have to dump some cash uh, to make that happen so it'll be a while before Kaminsky signs likely uh, because that that would also once you the room exception you use that once you've already used up all your cap space Um, but to make the Rubio signing they still are gonna have to dump some cash somehow it's not clear exactly maybe that could be through moving on from Elia Kobo or DeAnthony Mel uh both of whom are guaranteed for this year so they'll have to make a trade or some kind of a stress they also got race balding uh, as well but yeah i think there are other guys who are going to go for less and, and maybe those people just don't want to come to phoenix maybe the, the sun's brand is that toxic right now i mean they feel like oh you know young guy frank kaminsky he can really grow well you know isn't he like 26 already uh, so uh i mean he doesn't fix their problem which is defense defense and defense on this team all right last team here philly well actually we have two more one okay, one, one, one very small one. Oh yeah 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 Toronto signing uh Euro veteran Matt Thomas uh, I think he's an American to three years sounds like the minimum probably some non-guarantees at the end of that other than the fact that he's a shooter I know absolutely nothing about him I will hopefully be able to fill you in more when I actually see him play basketball Sixers will start with the easy one Kyle O'Quinn third center at the veterans minimum part of the reason it's believed that Al Horford went to Philly was he was just kind of tired of playing center and dealing with the all that banging even though of course we would argue that he's more effective there uh 
you know you can't put a price on happiness and so this could give uh, O'Quinn who I think you know was totally underutilized he signed the room exception in Indiana last year and played little because they had Sabonis and Turner he's basically just a really expensive insurance policy vet minimum this year and you know I think he is more capable than any of the backup centers they had last year we'll see how he's capable of moving his feet I mean, we haven't seen him in any kind of a high leverage environment before so it could be that he you know he just doesn't work out but for the the minimum and another guy who could just give Joel Embiid some rest Al Horford some rest uh, I like that signing pretty well for them yeah I've been circling Kylo Quinn as a backup center for the Sixers for at least two years now it's just a just a kind of a natural fit not a guy who is dominant but capable and can be a the equivalent of an innings eater which you need with Joel Embiid even though Embiid played a lot more last year maybe this could encourage Brett Brown to play Joel Embiid just a little bit less please in the first half of the year just don't work him as hard you have capability there now and that should, should we should we find a, a new slant on the Sixers maybe no especially not especially not I mean are you, are you using that as a lead-in to the other move which is pretty yes. amazing yes I am you get to pronounce the name uh so remember a couple of years ago the uh, it was uh the heart of the Brian Colangelo era when the Sixers trying to use cap space basically used a first round pick that they traded for didn't they trade for that pick using that 2020 pick that they got from OKC yes so they acqu- yeah. they acquired a protected a top 20 protected first round pick one of those ones that OKC did where it's it's 20 yeah. top 20 protected for one year and then become seconds in the Jeremy in the Jeremy Grant trade and then they sent it to Orlando so so they actually affir- they they didn't have an obligation on on their books right they affirmatively sent a pick to orlando the 25th pick which uh or, or the, to get the 25th pick from orlando and get on such who is a stretch center type uh from latvia and the thought was that he wasn't going to come over that had some appeal because they're trying to use cap space they didn't uh, every dollar was precious etc then, then they needed to do the renegotiation extension for covington as well that year well as it turns out he can't really play I don't think he's done much in Europe. I, I haven't followed it closely, but I know Derek Bodner has been talking about it as basically a completely wasted pick on his podcast for the last year. And I trust him to, to have kept up with him pretty well. So much of a wasted pick that Poshnik's said hey I, I would like to come over this year and you'll recall that the way it works with first round picks is you have to give them what's called a required tender for a rookie contract which is as at least two guaranteed years and so to keep the guys rights, you have to do that and then the guy can say okay you know I'm not taking it this year we'll agree I'm not going to come over till next year and you take take the cap hold off your books well Poshniks didn't want to do that this year uh as a 23 year old he said no I want to come over and Philly's like, all right, well, we can't give you the required tender. We're, we're not even going <laughs> to, we can't even give you that. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I understand that from Philly's perspective now, you know, he's a sunk cost and they've got, as of now, in the $7 million in cap space range, that could presumably get him a pretty good player. And they desperately need some depth uh, on this team as well. They've also still got their room exception out there. And so now Pashniks is just, I mean, you would have thought maybe they could have traded him, but he apparently didn't even have any kind of trade value to even get, you know, some bullshit second or something just because he has he's developed so poorly that, you know, even just having to give him a two-year guaranteed contract at the scale amount for the 25th pick it was no good. So they just wasted a pick. The good news is they got got that very same pick that they traded to Orlando back in the Marco Fultz trade. So they still have it. And, and so de- and depending on how Marco Fultz is available, considering how much money he's paid, you could rank the the ass 
assets that that pick has been traded for in a very unusual way because it's a zero of a first round pick that Marco Fultz, I, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, it's it's a wild circumstance. I also want to rattle off the five players taken immediately after Poshnik's at 25th overall in 2017. Caleb Swanigan, Kyle Kuzma, Tony Bradley, Derek White, Josh Hart. Huh. Almost like the teams that went for big men struggled. Okay, let's uh, set the scene for tomorrow. Interesting that we've had total radio silence on Kawhi. Ramona said on TV yesterday, Ramona Shelburne uh, of ESPN on the jump, that for Kawhi, he kind of asked for radio silence and that that is, uh, for these organizations, that's sort of like a test of loyalty, basically. Supposedly he did that when he met with Greg Popovich uh, last year. So maybe that's what's happening here and maybe some of these meetings are happening. I can't understand what the point would be in dragging it out uh, any longer here. I mean, he's basically, it seems like everything is waiting on him uh, as we talked about now. Uh for the rest of these role players that are have deals lined up probably contingent on where it is that Kawhi goes and you know there's starting to be some rumblings that like it's really going to happen with the Lakers people are t- tweeting to that effect no one's actually reported that but that would be uh pretty incredible if he ends up there huge bummer for the Clippers obviously I mean to have made him this much of a priority and then to lose him to the Lakers who, who just got AD and you know obviously if that happens wherever he ends up we'll have plenty to talk about what that looks like and all the associated role players uh, as well the only other you know kind of marquee guy out there still is DeMarcus Cousins we haven't heard anything about a potential landing zone for him you know it seemed like maybe the Knicks could be an option but uh you know they went with other contracts where you know i mean they they got a lot of shot creators in the front court he just w- wasn't one of them and you know of teams with appreciable cap space left you know dallas i don't think they need him clippers i mean they've got harold to create shots they're gonna bring back Zubas. you know maybe could, that could be an option lakers you know maybe they'd want a traditional set of pair cousins and ad if they don't get Kawhi, could be an option you know maybe he's kind of waiting on that other than exceptions i mean there's really not much in the way of exceptions either you know denver doesn't have need of a center they might use the, their mle golden state can't have him back now due to the hard cap unless it's for the minimum which would be pretty insane miami is hard capped as well they probably can't fit him in minnesota has the mid-level but they're not looking for a center nick still have the room exception but again i mean they have a bunch of guys there they got robinson who they're trying to develop so that doesn't make a lot of sense yeah i mean it's gonna be he's gonna have to take some massive discount again probably atlanta has space that's they i'm sure have zero interest in bringing him in at this stage of his career dallas has had a, a hankering for him for a while but that's back when he was healthy when I mean, you remember they went to the point of view and like putting his brother jaleel on their summer league team so i don't see where the hell demarcus is gonna go this is gonna i mean unless it's lakers or clippers it's gonna be he might even get less than last year does, does fc barcelona want to take on another guy yeah yeah where mirtich went uh, yeah i'm uh i don't know there so so we'll go through uh, who has space left here Atlanta still sitting on about 14 million looks like they're going to go the super fund site right we'll take a look at what they need I mean they could probably use something more at center I mean they've got so many young guys on rookie contracts I think they need a backup point guard they're apparently going to play Evan Turner there they've also got Jalen Adams at center they've got you know John Collins who looks like they're going to play more there with Hunter playing the four Alex I mean they have enough but if they need anything they could they could go for a center in theory but there's not many centers left that are upgraded than what they have so that yeah they may just go the super for fun site rot uh, again dallas 23 million in space looks like they're saving their space for you know danny green as their number one target lakers and clippers still with the uh, room at the max 
Philly, about seven million or so. And that's about it in terms of cap space. And your full MLE teams, Minnesota probably, and Memphis, who I don't see using it, are your only MLE teams left here, really. And Denver. Denver would be the other one. And doesn't look like anyone else is going to be using the full taxpayer mid-level either. So a couple teams out there with the room exception, Chicago, Indiana, Lakers and Clippers, Knicks, Philly, Toronto has the mini mid level. They're probably not going to use it. Yeah, we're uh, not a lot of space. Uh, what do uh, what is the point guard market looking like here uh, as far as remaining options? Slim pickings. So this the restricted market. I'll actually start there. Delon Wright, Tyus Jones, Nando Decolo. Pretty solid group there. We'll see if any of those guys get paid now that things are sorting yeah. out a little bit. Alex Caruso, I'd throw into that yeah. category too. Yeah, Caruso, Caruso, fine as well. Yeah, even Ryan Archidiakno, he might be a acceptable backup point guard. Yeah. Oh. We should mention all the starters are gone, uh, unrestricted yeah. and restricted. Then, yeah, I mean, well, if maybe you'd think of right as a starter, I, I don't, I don't, but yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then on the unrestricted line, Jeremy Lin, TJ McConnell, who could become a human trade exception for the Sixers, depending on how everything works out for them. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. One, just to to make that clear, we probably should mention that that he. I mean, I don't think he works for them as a guy that they want to have in the playoffs they clearly didn't play him after like the first game but they got full bird rights on him and he has a minimum cap hold so they could bring him back and as long as they give him a two-year deal and give him a fair amount of money then you know he, he could be trade bait because they'll be hard pressed to put together a trade having just signed all these guys and having these this expensive course so yeah I, I agree with you i think that might be he could maybe make more money there than he could elsewhere frankly yeah and and could even potentially get out on the market again because if it, you know like let's say you give him a lot of money and then an non-guaranteed second year probably the team's just going to waive him and then he gets out on the market again so that'd be a pretty sweet deal for Chicha McConnell Rondo Trey Burke maybe Milos I, I still love him I hope I hope that he's around no, I, I think he's back in Europe yeah, okay yeah I, I still like him and then another continent for Milos sorry yes uh you want to walk through the twos Danny Green and KCP headline that. Iman Shumpert is out there as well. Still full bird rights in Houston, but we'll see whether they end up getting hard capped conveniently or not. Uh, Avery Bradley likely to get waived by Memphis. He's pushed back his guarantee date. And Justin Holiday. Th- then you go down to like Lance Stevenson, J.R. Smith. And then on the restricted market, uh, Roddy Magruder. We talked about his situation uh, with the Clippers a little bit. And... Uh, Patrick McCaw still restricted, but he could, I, I mean, she should probably take his qualifying offer at this point. Small forwards, we know Kawhi, obviously, unrestricted. James Ennis, Darius Miller, and then some of these fringier guys who are younger, Stanley Johnson, Justin Anderson, Sam Decker, and some of the more veteran Cephalosha and Bob Mute types. And then restricted Kelly Oubre, Jordan Finney-Smith, and Jake Lehman as a fringier guy. How about power forward? That's probably where there's the most depth still remaining here. Yeah, depending on how we draw a few lines, the Morris twins, Jermichael Green, I think of him more as a, as a forward than anything else. Jeff Green... Jared Dudley, who I I feel like somehow he's going to get it. I mean, he deserves a, a stronger offer than it looks like it's out there on the market. Maybe there's a way that that happens. Maybe he becomes the guy. I've posited this idea before where he takes the minimum with Brooklyn and then they pay him next year. That would be fascinating to see to see them do that. And I, I think it would be a great move for Brooklyn if they could pull it off. And depending on how you see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I'd probably have him on the four line as well. Then at on the restricted market, it's pretty much just Trey Lyles. And it seems to me like like Denver might just be doing that more 
for kind of posturing purposes where, you know, like, hey, if you can. Yeah, I mean, he, you could see him coming back for just having to take his qualifying, qualifying offer. offer. Yeah, and then they could probably still use Or the I could see them pulling it, too, especially if they use the MLE. Right. That, that's the kind of just, the choice I think they're making the, is between They've got Mike Porter coming back. Although the, the talk is that Porter is going to play more as like a two or a three, which uh, good luck at that defensively. I mean, he's, he's more comfortable facing the basket on offense. But uh, yeah, so anyway. Oh, and, and, and we should also mention younger. Jabari would be would be on the four line. Yeah, going to move Willie Cauley-Stein over to the unrestricted market where he's actually one of the best options. He, he might actually be the second best guy here now at this point um you know doesn't have the greatest reputation in the in the world as far as kind of not being a head case and maybe believing he's a little bit better than he is but he certainly has skills he could be kind of a second draft guy and demarcus we mentioned of course uh, for soon to turn 29 boban is out there at age 30 javale noah vonley might be one of the guys i like the best he could also be an interesting target for the celtics to me uh it would be for the minimum but i think he could have a pretty big role there at as a social guy still only 23 and i thought he played okay at times with the knicks and my old favorite that no one else likes solimetry epe Udo would be another guy that i think I, I would look at pretty closely if i were a team like boston that just desperately needed someone who could defend Udo. of course very limited uh, on defense or, or i'm sorry on offense what and the restricted market is actually has some interesting guys too. Zubach, Kem Birch, who you and I both really like, and Daniel Tice. Yeah, Birch could be gettable with uh, the Magic uh, running into the, some potential tax concern with the, the re-sign of Vucevic and Terrence Ross. Yeah, all right. So we'll see whether Kawhi happens uh, tomorrow. Maybe no news is good news as, as far as getting this all wrapped up here. But uh, it's been our pleasure to bring this to you. And we will be back uh, tomorrow, almost certainly, unless like absolutely nothing happens because of Kawhi, in which case we'll just put it off uh, until tomorrow. Talk to y'all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.